6640. Your future lies in 6640. 66 books by 40 authors, and yet we now discover it's an integrated message system from outside our time domain. Welcome to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher is Dr. Chuck Missler, connecting the Bible to your life and the world around you. In today's study, Dr. Missler continues his teaching on the book of 2 Kings, chapters 21 through 23. Now, Ammon, his son, was 22 years old when he began to reign. He reigned two years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Meshulameth, and the daughter of Haruz of Yatbah. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, as his father Manasseh did. No surprise, like father, like son, right? And he walked in all the way that his father walked in, and served idols that his father served, and worshipped them. So he's uh, not somebody to emulate here. For he forsook the Lord God of his fathers, and walked not in the way of the Lord. And the servants of Ammon conspired against him and slew the king in his own house. And the people of the land slew all them that had conspired against the king of Ammon, and the people of the land made Josiah his son king in his stead. Now, Josiah is good news. So his servants slew him, but then the public had an outrage. They slew the servants that slew him. Be with me. So they didn't get away with anything, but they did get, uh, in other words, it was a popular uprising to uh, bring the murderers to justice. Now, Josiah is a young kid, but circumstances thrust him on the throne. He's going to be, a, <laughs> he's pretty young. He's eight years old, but he does a great job. But he does a, And how he does it is a mystery. He's not, with that heritage, with Manasseh and him, you know, that background. Here's this young kid, but this young kid uh, is one of the best uh, to come along. Now the rest of the acts of Ammon, which he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? And he was buried in the sepulcher in the garden of Uzzah, and Josiah's son reigned in his stead. Notice that both he and Manasseh were not buried in the royal tombs. They were buried in their own house. They didn't, they didn't rate that kind of, of uh, promotion, so to speak. Okay. Now let's talk. Let's, let's have some, let's get some good news. We're going to look at the reign of Josiah in chapter 22. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidah, and uh, the daughter of Adiah of Bosgath. I have to presume that his mother was a dandy. When you have a kid this young, assuming these responsibilities, to accomplish what Josiah ends up accomplishing, we'll detail that, uh, is impressive. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in all the way of David his father. David his, you know, great, 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 great grandfather, but David his uh, father. Remember, by the way, let me highlight that. Uh, we speak of sons and grandsons, or fathers and grandfathers, great grandfathers. That's, that's in English. In the Hebrew, your father can be, doesn't mean your adjacent father, it could be your great, 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 great grandfather, still your father, so you're of his loins is the idea. So he'd be on your guard. Sometimes you'll say, he is the son of so-and-so. It doesn't mean he's the direct son. He could be a couple of generations between there. So we want to be careful of that. But in any case, he walked in all the way of David, his father, and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. Figure of speech, of course, but he's a straight arrow. He's a straight guy. He's, 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 he's diligent, and that's exciting. Now, it's kind of interesting to realize that during his reign, the dominant power of the world previously was Assyria, 
It's weak. And, and, and shortly, one of the cities in Assyria will grow and take over, called Babylon. So we're going to have a handover from the Assyrian Empire to the Babylonian Empire during his reign. You know, from their point of view, you could say, well, that's, they're all these big power groups to the east, but there's an important difference. When Babylon conquers Assyria, they have, incidentally, they also conquer all the slaves of the Assyrians. And so when Babylon conquers the, 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 per, the, the uh, southern kingdom, which they ultimately will, uh, they're going to commingle those slaves. So there's a, that's another puncture of the, uh, this Lost Ten Tribes idea. But let's move on. Uh, so Josiah's a good guy. It came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah, so he's been at it 10 years now, that the king sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, the scribe, to the house of the Lord, saying, and he goes on, this guy, Shaphan, is an interesting guy. He has quite a... Uh, a uh, uh, um, by the way, uh, from the Chronicles, we discover that when he's uh, he took over the throne at eight, he probably had a counselor really running things. But when he's sixteen, is when he discovers and returns to the Lord, and so uh, began his religious reforms when he was twenty. And so we'll we'll be reading all about that. And Josiah will be the fourth reformer, by the way. If we'd gone through this by, just by way of review, Asa, Jehoshaphat, and Hezekiah were all reformers. But Josiah's forms are more extensive than any of the previous ones. Now, in the uh, 18th year, the king sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, son of Meshulam, the scribe, to the house of the Lord, that is, to the temple. The temple had fallen into disrepair. In fact, uh, you know, uh, Manasseh had, re- had wrecked the place. Go up to Hilkiah the high priest, that he may sum the silver which is brought into the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the door have gathered to the people. So they're going to... Uh, the temple has been desecrated by Manasseh. He, he built pagan altars and all that in there. So uh, in Josiah's 18th year, that in other words, he's, now he's about 26, he began to repair the temple and restore its condition. And he sent his officer, a secretary kind of guy, a t- chief of staff maybe, Saphon. His son, Ahikam, is going to be uh, a key player subsequently. And also, it's Shaphan's grandson that will be Gedaliah appointed governor by the Babylonians when they take him into captivity. That'll tie that later as we get together. But anyway, uh, verse 5, And let them deliver it into the hand of the doers of the work that have the oversight of the house of the Lord, and let them give it to the doers of the work which is in the house of the Lord to repair the breaches of the house under the carpenters, the builders, the masons, to buy timber and hewn stone to repair the temple. So they got a building project going on here. And... Uh, um, there's some times the, 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 the descendants of Shaphan are going to keep players as we go forward here, but we'll keep moving here. Um, now, for some time, see, money had been being collected for this purpose. Now there was enough to start handing in and getting the work done. That's basically the thought that's behind here. And in this case, the, they proved trustworthy. Uh, Howbeit there was no reckoning made with, the, uh, with them of the money that was delivered unto their hand because they dealt faithfully. Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. This is a big, big event. Don't let it just slip by us here. They have been in a half a century of idolatry. And um, they didn't have the word of the God. Think about that. Over a generation of normally 40 years, you know, uh, they're, they're, they're in trouble. And what they find as they're doing the reconstruction they're cleaning up the temple, tearing down the pagan idols, and reestablishing mosaic worship there. Somehow they discover what apparently, I assume, was hidden, 
is a copy of the law. The Torah, at least, maybe more. And uh, they read it. They discover, by reading it, how far they've fallen. There's awakening. This is uh, a revival. It's interesting. If you study revivals, they always derive from the Word of God. Just embracing the Word of God. And you see other things that are gimmicks and stuff. No, no. Real revivals are just the Word of God. And Chavon the scribe came to the king and brought the king word again and said, Thy servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and delivered it to the hand of them that do the work that have oversight in the house of the Lord. And Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath delivered me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. It uh, Very likely that would include uh, Leviticus 26. You might put this in your notes. I won't take the time here so we don't get off track, but uh, Leviticus 26 would be included in that. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Deuteronomy 28, and uh, in other words, these the incredible promises, how God warns them, how He tells them how He'll bless them if they're faithful, and He'll also punish them if they're not. And they suddenly realize that they found the rule book, if you will, okay? And it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the book of the law. See, apparently they read it to him there. He's listening. And if it's the whole Torah, that's quite a bit of writing. It certainly would include the book of Deuteronomy. Leviticus, Deuteronomy, but probably the whole thing. Anyway, when he heard the words of the book of the law, that he rent his clothes, he tore his clothes. It's a very Jewish form of grief. Or, sorry, it is, it tears clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, and Ahikam the son of Shaphan, and Achbor the son of Micaiah, and Shaphan the scribe, Azahiah the servant of the king, saying, Go ye... Inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book to do according to all that which is written concerning us. So the king is pretty savvy. He realizes, he reads this, what an indictment it is. And he shook, because he realizes that the God of the universe has to be angry. Every time I read something, I'm reminded of Thomas Jefferson's famous quote. He says, I tremble for my country when I recall that God is just and that His justice won't sleep forever. Boy. Well, that's sort of the flavor here of what uh, what uh, Josiah is, uh, the king. He's, 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 he's concerned for obvious reasons. And uh, so he's going to send five of his top officials to inquire of the Lord what should be done. And uh, so uh, he, uh, Josiah fears the anger of the Lord and wanted to turn it away, not just for himself, but for all the people. Now it's interesting, from the shock of this king, this king, you can gather that they had not consulted the law for some time, more than a generation. So Hilkiah the priest, and Hikam, and Achbor, and Shaphan, and Azahiah, Went unto whom? Holda the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikvah, the son of Harhaz, keeper of the wardrobe. Now she dwelt in Jerusalem in the college. And they communed with her. And she said unto them, Thus saith the Lord, God of Israel, tell the man that sent you to me. And she goes on. Let's, before we go too far on this thing, let's read. Do you notice something stranger? The king is trying to find out what, what God's will is. How does he do it? He has his emissaries, the five top guys, go and consult a prophetess. 
Now, don't misunderstand. She, she, uh, she speaks the word of God. She's, they did the right thing. And yet, do you notice something missing here? What's missing? Why are they going to a prophetess? How does the king normally find out through his high priest what God says? Anyone? Well, yes, but where? To whom? Wow. There's a thing called the Ark of the Covenant. God spoke audibly to Moses from between the cherubim in the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies. Why aren't they doing that? What's obvious here is the Ark ain't there. It's going to be alluded to in a minute. But it's the, the, one, of the, one of the subtleties that many people miss is this is evidence that the Ark of the Covenant is not in the Holy of Holies. It's not in the temple. It's probably not even in Jerusalem or in Israel. We'll come back to that. I just want to alert, note, want you to notice this. They, they, they went to hold of the prophetess. Now, they could have gone to uh, several others. There was a, a handful of prophets. Jeremiah was active in this area. Zephaniah also, and also probably Nahum and Habakkuk in this, in this, in this uh, period. And so, uh, but uh, this woman was the wife of Shalom, who was the responsible for the royal or priestly wardrobe. And she lived in the second district of Jerusalem, which is part of the city in lower elevation than the others. Uh, so that's fine. Um, but I just want you to sort of footnote, where's the Ark of the Covenant here? So apparently the Ark of the Covenant is not available, and we'll talk about that before the session's over. Okay, but anyway, she says, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Tell the man that sent you, who's the, who's the man that sent him? Josiah the king. Tell the man that sent you to me, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place and upon the inhabitants of thereof, even all the words of the book which the king of Judah hath read. Because they have forsaken me and have burned incense unto other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands, therefore... My wrath shall be kindled against this place and shall not be quenched. Tough message, huh? But then she continues. But to the king of Judah, which sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall ye say to him, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, as touching the words which thou hast heard, because thine heart was tender, and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord, when thou heardest what I spake against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and hast rent thy clothes and wept before me, I also have heard thee, saith the Lord. Behold, therefore, I will gather thee unto thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered into thy grave in peace. And thine eyes shall not see all the evil which I shall bring upon this place. And they brought the king word again. So you get the picture. God is going to be faithful. He's going to follow through with the judgment that has been earned by Manasseh. But as a gesture of accommodation to this young king that's got his heart in the right place, he won't do it during his lifetime. He'll forego that. It'll happen later. And uh, so he won't. In other words, Josiah won't experience God's uh, uh, wrath. He's, he actually is experiencing God's mercy personally. Uh, Josiah dies in about 609, about four years before Nebuchadnezzar lays his first siege. Okay, three or four years there. Okay, now we're in chapter 23. And we'll talk, this is, uh, let's talk about what Josiah accomplishes. The king sent and gathered unto him all the elders of Judah and of Jerusalem. And the king went up into the house of the Lord. And all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him. And the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. 
And he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant, which was found in the house of the Lord. Boy, they're doing a lot of scripture reading here, huh? And the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord, to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes. Those are all different things. You can study, dig those out on your own. His commandments, his testimony, his statutes, with all their heart and all their soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people stood to the covenant. In other words, he pledged himself to follow the Lord faithfully and to carry out the words of the, uh, of the law of Moses. And uh, all, the, all the people promised to do the same. And the king commanded Hilkiah the high priest and the priests of the second order and the keepers of the door to bring forth out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels that were made for Baal and for the grove at Ashtoreth and all the host of heaven. And he burned them without Jerusalem, outside Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron and carried the ashes of them unto Bethel. Why would he carry the ashes to Bethel? Because Bethel was the very center of pagan worship. This was, in effect... You know, thumbing their nose at the fact that their 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 days are over, and uh, so the uh, all these false gods are are dealt with here. All the paraphernalia was 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 burned, destroyed, just east of Jerusalem. Now, he put down the idolatrous, idolatrous priests, whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense in high places in the cities of Judah and in the places round about Jerusalem. Them also that burned incense unto Baal and to the sun and to the moon, and to the planets, and to all the hosts of heaven. That's all the part of the idolatry that they were, they were dealing with it. And, uh, and he brought out the grove from the house. That's, uh, the term is grove. It's Ashtoreth. It's, it's actually a, a, a carved uh, uh, pagan symbol. From the house of the Lord, without, uh, without Jerusalem, unto the brook Kedron, and burned it at the brook Kedron, and stamped it small to powder, and cast the powder thereof upon the graves of the children of the people. And he break down the houses of the Sodomites, which were by the house of the Lord, where the women wove hangings for the grove. When it says grove, it's, really, it's, it's, not, it's not a grove of trees. It's, it's these phallic um, implements of, of, of worship. And uh, so they're... they're uh, and the Sodomites here probably refer to male shrine prostitutes that served as part of the pagan worship and set up tents in the temple courtyard. And, of course, he tore them down. Uh, Josiah tore them down and, and, you know, ended that whole bit. And he brought all the priests out of the cities of Judah and defiled the high places where the priests had burned incense from Geba to Beersheba and, and break down the uh, high places of the gates that were in the entering in of the gate of Joshua, the governor of the city, which were on a man's left hand at the gate of the city. The... Uh, the shrines, I was located at the gates near the residency of Joshua, the governor of Jerusalem, and at the other gates and so forth. Pretty straightforward, okay. Um, nevertheless, the priests of the high places came not up to the altar of the Lord in Jerusalem, but they did eat of the unleavened bread among their brethren. So um, the, these are Levitical priests that offered sacrifices to the, uh, the high places. They, they, they profaned themselves, so they were not allowed to... Um, uh, go up to the altar. They lost their rights to that, but they did allow them to eat the unleavened bread. That was an accommodation to them. He did permit that. And and he defiled Topheth, which is in the valley of the children of Hinnom, that no man might take make his son or his daughter pass through the fire to Molech. Now, uh, this uh, uh, Molech was a big brass idol that was heated, and they put the babies in his arms 
Um, that was all done in, in, in the Valley of Hinnom to the south of the city. Uh, he obviously destroys all that. But uh, the Valley of Hinnom becomes a trash heap. It's always smoldering. It's also where they do all this stuff. And it becomes the, the uh, linguistic root for Gehenna, which is the word the Lord uses for the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. It's the word Gehenna means that it comes from the, the, the term itself referred to this place that was always smoldering, burning south of the city. Um, idiomatically, I'm speaking. Okay. And, uh, okay. And he took away the horses that the kings of Judah had given to the sun at the entering in of the house of the Lord by the chamber of Nathemelech, the chamberlain which was in the suburbs, and burned the chariots of the sun with fire. They had formal processions honoring the sun. These are the horses that were used, and they've probably been dedicated by the kings. Probably Ahaz, Manasseh, and Ammon all used these, were stabled in the temple courtyard. And so he burned up the ceremonial chariots and these idolatrous processions and so forth. And the altars that were on the top of the upper chamber of Ahaz, which the kings of Judah had made, and the altars which Manasseh had made in the two courts of the house of the Lord, did the king beat down and break them down from thence and cast the dust of them into the brook Kidron. And so... Uh, these are all structures that were part of the previous regimes, and they are dealt with, forthwith, if you will. And the high places that were before Jerusalem, which were on the right hand of the Mount of Corruption, the Mount of Corruption there is a term that uh, uh, is, is speaking of uh, the southern hill of the Mount of Olives, which became known as the Hill of Corruption because of uh, the altars that were desecrating the place. Anyway, the high places that were before Jerusalem... Um, which built it for Ashtoreth and the abomination of the Sidonians, and Chemosh, the abomination of the Moabites, and for Milcom, the abomination of the children of Ammon, did the king defile. Notice the Ashtoreth, the abomination of the Sidonians. Where do you think that first came from? Anyone guess? Who did Ahab marry? Jezebel. Remember, her daughter was queen for a while in Judah, usurped the throne. So that's where these Phoenician or, or Sidonian... Uh, uh, cult groups got introduced. And Kamosh, the abomination of the Moabites, and for Milcom, the abomination of the children of Ammon, did the king defile. So these are all, all these pagan forms of worship. And he break in pieces the images, and cut down the groves, and filled their places with the bones of men. Moreover, the altar that was in Bethel, and the high place which Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin, had made, both that altar and the high place he broke down, and burned the high place, stamped it small to powder, and burned the grove. So he's taken on himself to go to Bethel. That's up there. That's not in the normal area of the, the area of Judah. But this is where Jeroboam, in the civil war after Solomon dies, when he first takes over, he he established uh, uh, this form of idolatry. He'd been there for a couple hundred years, and uh, Josiah deals with it. Destroys it, gets rid of it, this ancient altar at Bethel. And uh, verse 16, And Josiah turned himself, he spied the sepulchers that were in the, there on the mount. And he sent and took the bones out of the sepulchers and burned them upon the altar and polluted it, according to the word of the Lord which the man of God proclaimed, who proclaimed those words. Now this is an allusion back to um, uh, first, first Kings 12. You may remember the, the 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 man of God back there from Judah. He predicted that in the days of Jer- back in the days of Jeroboam, he made that prediction in First Kings thirteen. He even called Josiah by name, and that would have been a century before he was around. 
But uh, that prophecy in 1 Kings 13, verses 2 and 3, is being fulfilled right here. Okay, in verse 17, he says, and, and, and he said, What title is that I see? And the men of the city told him, It is the sepulcher of the man of God, which came from Judah, and proclaimed these things that thou hast done against the altar of Bethel. He said, Let him alone. Let no man move his bones. So he let his bones alone with the bones of the prophet that came out of Samaria. Remember those two prophets? That strange business of, in 1 Kings 13. Well, uh, when Josiah discovers that, the, that his bones are involved, he doesn't, he doesn't desecrate those. He leaves those alone. But he, he deals with the rest of them. And all the houses of the high priests that were in the cities of Samaria, which the kings of Israel had made to provoke the Lord to anger, Josiah took away and did to them according to all the acts that he had done in Bethel. And he slew all the priests of the high places that were there upon the altars and burned men's bones upon them and returned to Jerusalem. Now the very fact, by the way, that Josiah is able to go up into the northern kingdom region and deal with Samaria and Bethel and so forth tells you something else. It's, a, it's an indication that Assyria, which theoretically ruled that area, was getting weak. They were busy with their own headaches, so he, Josiah just moved into that vacuum to, 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 uh, to, to follow through with his program here. And some of the Israelites who remained in Samaria after the uh, fall of Samaria still worshipped in those high places, and, Jos- and Josiah is now destroying that. And by the way, the priests he's talking about here that he slew are not necessarily Levites. These are priests that were uh, 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 that Jeroboam had appointed. These are not the Levites. These are uh, self-appointed priests. And the king commanded all the people, saying, Keep the Passover unto the Lord your God, as is written in the book of this covenant. So we're going to have a Passover. So they haven't done this for who knows how long, 100 years. Josiah is going to, by following the instructions in Exodus 12 and so forth, he is going through to establish a Passover like none of the, none of the people had ever experienced. It's a big deal. Keep the Passover to the Lord your God as is written in the book of this covenant. Surely there was not holding such a Passover from the days of judges that judge Israel, nor in all the days of the kings of Israel. Um, uh, nor of the kings of Judah. And by the way, what's interesting about this Passover, it's being celebrated by the obviously the kingdom of Judah and the remnants that are still around from the old kingdom of the northern kingdom. You've been listening to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher was Dr. Chuck Musler, teaching through the book of 2 Kings. For a complete listing of resources available, please visit khouse.org. You can also call us on 1-800-K-HOUSE-1. To learn more about Koinonia Institute, visit koinoniainstitute.org. Thank you for listening to 6640 and for your continued prayerful support of this ministry. Until next time, as we continue this series, may God bless you with the knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ, as you study His Word. His Word.